Allie, and you're listening to the 55th episode of the Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday related to living an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. My goal is to inspire you to take action, both in your day-to-day routine and on a larger scale of community activism, because I believe that together we'll make a difference. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so that you automatically get each new episode right when it comes out. Today's guest is my friend Liz, the owner of No Trace Shop, a Santa Cruz, California-based company that makes wax wraps, bags, and other zero-waste products. We actually sell some of her products at my company, Bestowed Essentials, both online and in our retail store in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I just got to meet Liz in person finally when I was doing my zero-waste workshop tour throughout California this summer. I'm really excited to have her on the show today to talk about zero-waste parenting because this is my most requested topic, so I tried to make sure we cover a wide area. If you're a parent looking for zero-waste parenting advice, I hope this episode benefits you. As always, you can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on the website hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash 055. Now for today's episode. So Liz, how old are your kids and how many do you have? So I have two daughters and my oldest is 11 and my youngest is eight and a half. And how long have you been living low waste, eco-friendly with your kids? Well, um, my partner and I have been living eco-friendly with them since, well, we've been living eco-friendly since before they were born. Um, so they've been, they were born into an eco-friendly home. Um, so we've been, you know, 11 years and then we started going specifically for zero waste about three years ago. So that was like a next level that we added to our family a few years ago. So what did that, um, eco-friendly journey look like at the very beginning when you first became parents? How were you eco-friendly with newborn babies? Yeah, so we um, did a ton of research on diapers. That's a big topic for new parents is trying to figure out what to do about diapers, what's more eco-friendly, should you get disposable ones um, because you're saving water, or should you use cloth diapers because you're saving waste. Um, And after doing a ton of research and reading, we decided that cloth diapering was the more eco-friendly option. Um, so that was like step number one was building up a stash of cloth diapers and, um, we got a lot of like secondhand wraps, um, to go over the diapers. And then we got, we bought new, just hundred percent cotton diapers and they have, uh, you know, as we were going through the cloth diapering with our girls, first my oldest and then my youngest, we, the diapers have just gotten amazing, um, the cloth diaper option. So we, eventually moved into more of like a microfiber um, diaper that was super absorbent. And that was before we knew about some of the problems with microfibers. Um, but there are some really great options out there that work almost as well as um, disposable diapers. And we, so that was our first thing. And we um, used line, line drying. So we've line, we haven't had a dryer 
Um, we've never owned a dryer. We did live in a home that had a dryer, but that was, we haven't had a dryer for six years and we didn't have a dryer when they were, when we were diapering them. And so we line dried all their diapers. Um, and we installed this special device on a toilet. It's like a little squirt, squirt thingy to help us clean the diapers. Um, and we also got a really nice wet bag so that when we're out in the world um, with our kids, we could easily, you know, pack up their soiled diaper and bring it home, um, give, you know, change their diaper out on the go. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the first thing was, was uh, the diapering with them. And what about nursing? Yeah, so I breastfed. I was lucky to be able to breastfeed both of my girls and that definitely made um, life a lot easier for us. We didn't have to, um, you know, purchase formula and um, deal with bottles. Um, although when I went back to work, we did have some glass bottles that they used. I would pump my milk and then they would um, use a glass bottle. But yeah, so nursing was also a nice, I mean, I know it's it can be a challenge for a lot of new moms to, breastfeeding doesn't always come super easy and super natural. So, you know, I definitely don't judge any mom who struggles to breastfeed. Um, but it is, if you can, if you're willing to put in the work and, and make it happen for you and your baby, it's just a really great, um, it just simplifies, it just streamlines things so much. You don't have to prepare a bottle and clean a bottle and pack the, you know, pack the milk to go and that sort of thing. So, I would highly recommend uh, that. And, you know, for moms who are struggling, there's a lot of support out there. There's a lot of um, lactation consultants who can help new moms figure out what the heck am I doing? Am I doing it right? Is my baby getting any food? That sort of thing. What tips do you have for making cloth diapering an easier experience? Um, yeah, there's so much learning to do to see what works best for your child. I would recommend that new parents try out different types of cloth diapers and figure out which ones uh, work for them and for their baby. So some, you know, the wraps come in different shapes and sizes. So some baby's legs um, are going to be fatter than other baby's legs. So the fit is super important with cloth diapers, just figuring out a good fit so you have fewer leaks. Um, although you will have leaks, <laughs> that's the one difference is that, you know, you, you even with the best, most high-tech cloth diapers, you, you always need a backup pair of clothes, which isn't a huge deal. Um, but I, I would recommend that new parents try just try out different types of diapers. You know, don't buy, like, 50 of one type of diaper, maybe just buy like one of each different type and try it out and um, see which ones are work best for you. And there are used ones too, because I know it can be a, um, a bit of an investment up front. Um, but I would look into like, you know, consignment stores for kids, or I bet even online there's some used um, options out there so you can make it more affordable. But yeah, you just have to try out and see what works for your baby because yeah, there just there's so many options out there now. What do you and your partner do to keep your meals as low waste as possible? Yeah, so we um, the you know that there's a couple of ways that we tackle waste. One is 
um, we think a lot about try to prevent food waste, you know, so oftentimes kids, they do not finish what's on their plate. Um, and this, this is a struggle, I think, for almost all families. Uh, my husband and I really care very much about not wasting food. And so we make efforts to um, serve our kids small portions that we are confident they can eat. You know, when they were little, we would serve them these tiny plates of food with just like a tablespoon of each whatever we were eating. And other parents would be like, oh, my God, you're you're starving your kid. And we'd say, no, we, we, they can have as many next servings as they want, but we're not going to heap their plate with food that, that we're not sure they're actually hungry to eat. Um, and so that's like the first thing is just making sure that the kids have, you know, reasonable and, and I don't say even small portions of food on their plate that they can actually finish and then giving them more as they need to. Um, and then the other thing is just in the way that we shop for food. So we shop pretty much zero waste for our food. So it means that we get it from bulk, um, or, you know, you know, fresh fruit and, and, uh, vegetables that are unpackaged and then a lot of bulk foods. And, um, you know, we do get some, um, we do eat some eggs and cheese in our family. So we get eggs in bulk or we bring back the, you know, the egg carton and then, um, cheese. That's one of our plastic wrapped that's one of our only plastic-wrapped items that we get. Although one of my daughters just recently has decided she wants to go vegan, so we're um, supporting her. My husband is vegan, and um, one of my daughters is now wanting to go vegan, so we're supporting her and making more vegan um, options available at home, too. How her. do you try to balance that? Because a lot of um, vegan food, vegan alternatives come in plastic, so how do you try to do both plastic-free and vegan? Yeah, we don't really buy any of the um, packaged vegan foods, the like processed stuff. So we um, make our own, we'll do like homemade hummus that we'll have on hand. Um, I have two different vegan cheese recipes that I've made for years. So I'll have, I'll make that and have that on hand. Um, so yeah, just having other options, having lots of beans in the fridge, um, but yeah, we don't really, I mean, some of those vegan um, packaged foods are so good. <laughs> like uh, we love like a tempeh bacon that we'll get sometimes. My husband will get sometimes, but I, I generally don't buy any of that. And for the most part, it's, it's almost never in our fridge. Yeah. So it's a challenge though, because, you know, it's, it's hard to find time to make homemade everything. Um, but, you know, we do what, what we can to make it as easy as possible to have those things on hand, not in packaging. Yeah, that brings up a question. Um, what does you and your husband's work schedule look like? How are you able to balance work with trying to make a lot of these meals and I'm, I'm sure other DIY craft projects from mm -hmm. scratch by hand? Yeah, yeah, we, but my husband and I both work full time. Um, we are lucky that we work from home. I work completely from home and he works from home a lot. So that does help. Um, but we also have just uh, figured out some ways to make it easier. So we have, for example, we have a pressure cooker for cooking our beans. 
So we get our beans dried from bulk and then it just takes like 30 minutes to cook them. If you remember to soak them the night before. Um, so we have that on hand and then, yeah, we just try to squeeze in moments while we're prepping dinner. Like last night we were making dinner and my husband made a big batch of hummus, um, while he was doing some other, you know, dinner prep stuff. Um, but yeah, we are lucky in that we don't have long commutes to and from home so that we can stop working by like five thirty and start cooking dinner, um, and eat and get them in bed at a pretty reasonable hour. Is it usually both you and your partner prepping meals? Do you get your both your daughters involved too, or does that meal responsibility tend to fall primarily on one person? Well, my husband and I generally take turns, um, and we have a rule: whoever cooks, um, whoever doesn't cook, cleans the kitchen. So one of us will do the dinner, and the other will do the kitchen cleanup afterwards. We recently we've had our kids cooking too, so they can cook um, pasta. They've cooked pasta for the family for dinner. We get that in bulk, um, and they make um, they've made homemade pesto. Um, so they they get in there too, but not as obviously not as often as me and my husband. But yeah, there's a lot of things that they can make um, and serve. Like you know, they'll make salads and things like that. What do you do about school lunches? Do you prepare those ahead of time? Do your girls eat the from the cafeteria? Yeah, so we there's they go to a pretty small school. It doesn't have a cafeteria, so they bring their own lunches, and um, they are responsible for making their own lunch. So we um, try to make sure we have on hand food that they can put in there and that they can prep pretty easily. Um, but they, um, yeah, they make their own lunches for school every morning and. Some mornings, if we're running super late for whatever reason, I'll, I'll step in and I'll help them out. Um, but for the most part, they, they're pretty good at picking. Um, and we always tell them, you know, you need to pick a protein, a vegetable, and a carbohydrate, and maybe a fruit, too, if you want. But they, they know they need to have those different, you know, so they're not just getting, like, toast for lunch or something, but they're getting more of a well-balanced meal. So they know what to work towards. And they've been doing that for about, I want to say two years, maybe three years. They've been making their own lunches. Um, super doable. I know it can be, if it can feel mornings can feel really hectic for working families, but, um, if you have the ingredients on hand, um, and you know, your kids have some very basic knife safety skills, um, they can do their own lunch prep. So our kids know how to use knives safely and we, um, yeah, we support them in doing that. What are some of their go-to school lunches? What are the ingredients that you try to make sure you have on hand every week for them? Um, it, it really varies. They, they'll take leftovers a lot. So whatever we had for dinner the night before, if there's leftover like pasta or leftover rice and beans or leftover stir fry with, um, some like veggie, um, chicken nugget thingies like the, we get like these dried TVP, um, nuggets that from the bulk bins that you rehydrate anyhow. So they'll do whatever was leftover. That's a popular thing. Um, my younger daughter likes to make quesadillas. Um, we do get tortillas. That's 
the other thing that we often get in plastic is uh, corn tortillas. So she'll make herself a quesadilla. Um, yeah, they'll t they'll make themselves sandwiches, veggie sandwiches, um, carrot sticks, cherry tomatoes. They don't have obviously we don't buy any of those. We don't buy any like packaged granola bars and things like that. So they don't take anything packaged in their lunch. Um, but yeah, we should, and we also try to have things from snack things from the bulk bins like nuts or trail mix or sesame sticks, um, things like that that they'll also take in their lunch. What tips do you have for um, your kids going to parties or play dates at other people's houses that are not zero waste or plastic free? Yeah, this is a, always a challenge for us. And we are we are constantly learning on and uh, trying to get better. Um, my number one tip is to try to plan ahead. Um, so if you know, a lot of times kids will like spontaneously after school they'll want to have a play date or something like that, or they'll want to go get yogurt, frozen yogurt with friends. Um, and it can be really hard to be prepared for them to go out and not bring home some trash. Um, so I try to plan ahead so that we have, um, for example, if they want to go get frozen yogurt after school, we'll, I will have a jar and a spoon for each of them. So we don't have, we don't end up with a bunch of trash. Um, if there's going to be a birthday party, we'll talk about in advance, you know, what are, you know, if there's a goodie bag, um, you know, what are the kinds of things that you could bring home versus say no thank you to? Um, we'll try to, if I think there might be plastic forks and knives, I'll bring um, our own little travel cutlery with us. So I try, I really try to plan and like be prepared, plan in advance what kinds of things might we need. And then talking to them about it too. So they, you know, obviously they care about the earth and they care about reducing their waste, but it's hard for them to say no to all of this, all of the things that are offered to them in this world, you know, party favors, candies, cupcakes. And so I talk to them about, you know, what to expect, what, what they might expect is going to happen and what, what can they do about it? What do they, you know, what do they want to do in that situation if, if this is offered and could we think of an alternative to avoid bringing home a bunch of plastic trash? Do you keep any sort of zero waste kit in your car? And if so, what do you keep in it? I don't keep too much in the car other than some, a little bit of cutlery. Um, yeah. So we, we end up getting around by bike a lot and walking. Um, so I do try to keep some stuff in my purse. I keep cutlery in my purse and a little napkin. And if I think we might be going out, you know, and stopping in, you know, for a snack or something, I'll try to have some bulk bags in my purse or a couple of jars in my purse. But if I were, if I, if I um, took the time to set up my car, I think it'd be, it would be a good idea to, to have a few jars in your car and a few bulk bags, cloth napkins and some, you know, silverware would help avoid a lot of um, a lot of waste out on the go. And then also, you know, if you think your kids are going to be enticed by some kind of sweet treat, I think it's great if you can have a bulk bin 
alternative handy for those kinds of moments. You know, it's kind of like if your kid had some kind of an allergy, you would have an alternative treat for them, you know, for whenever there was dessert being passed around at some kind of celebration or something. So in the same sense, you might, as a zero waste parent, have some kind of bulk bin treat available for your kid instead of whatever the plastic wrapped option is. How do you have these conversations with your kids about the environment and why it is that you live the lifestyle that you do? And and how have those conversations evolved as they've aged? Yeah, we've been, you know, when they were younger, we we talked about it in very simple terms, um, like, you know, this is good for the earth, or we do this because it's better for the planet. Um, We want to protect our planet. And then as they've gotten older, we've been able to talk more deeply about these issues with them. And it really comes up just, you know, all, all the time, just at different moments during our, our interactions together where we're talking about, um, you know, why we're going to take the car today instead of riding the bike and, um, you know, why it's better to, um, you know, bring your water bottle and just things like that. Like these conversations come up pretty frequently today in the way that we, we interact with everything around us. Um, and so my older daughter, for example, she, she recently did a report at school on climate change. And so she's, you know, on her own learning and researching more deeply about different things. Um, I do try to, I don't try, I want to make sure that I don't overwhelm them or freak them out with, you know, doom and gloom news too much. So, you know, I try to strike a balance between these are the facts of what's happening, for example, like plastic pollution in our ocean. This is what's happening. But then I also want to make sure that they know that there are things they can do um, to fight against some of the problems that we're facing um, yeah, so it just comes up a lot now. And, and as they've gotten older, our conversations have definitely gotten deeper. But I, I do, you know, they're still young enough that I do try not to scare them too much. What are some of your um, go-to zero-waste gifts for birthdays and holidays, both for your own kids and, like, when you're responsible when you have to help your kids pick out a present for a friend's birthday. Yeah, we love to give experiences. That's like our favorite type of gift. So we'll give like a little, they'll make a card and and they'll write in there like we want to take you to the boardwalk or we want to take you surfing or, you know, we want to take you for a beach date or something. So that's one of their favorite things to do is to give a friend um, some kind of an experience to take them somewhere fun. We took some friends to a tech museum. Um, We took some other friends bowling. Um, So that, I would say, is a great gift. Um, And then we do end up, we do also give stuff, but we try to be really thoughtful about it. So for example, a really good book that one of my daughters loves and reads again and again and again, she's really into some graphic novels. So um, if she's pretty sure that she has a friend who will love that book and 
and just get a ton of use out of it, then that that's a gift that, you know, I don't feel bad about giving somebody. Um, or if we have a, if they have a buddy who's really into art, um, I don't feel bad giving them like a pad of nice paper and, um, you know, some colored pencils or something that's not a bunch of, not, not with plastic, something like a plastic free art supply. Um, I definitely, I feel comfortable with that. And like, what did you get your daughters for, for last Christmas or their last birthday? If you, if you don't do Christmas. Um, that's a good question. You know, we do, we do birthdays and we do Christmas. I always give them like a special date with me where they get to pick something that they want to make. And I love to sew. So it's something that they want to sew. And then we go out and we sort of plan something that they want to create and we figure it, you know, we get the materials that they need. And so that's one thing that we give them. Um, We've given them a bike <laughs> um, and a surfboard because we want them to be like out in the, you know, active and enjoying the outdoors. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, they are things, but they're things that we can get, get behind that, you know, that they're going to actually get some really great benefit from, you know, uh, in terms of having fun, but also physically um, have a good time with it. Yeah, I try to avoid getting just stuff for the sake of stuff. So, it, you know, they don't necessarily get as many gifts as other kids, but um, they get things that we think are going to be really meaningful, like, you know, a new surfboard, for example. Or actually, we got a new one and a used one. So um, a new or a used surfboard. Something homemade. I love to make them something. Um, each Christmas, I make them something as well. Um, and then, you know, if there are things that they're really excited about, like certain books that they're really excited about, um, I'm not, I, I don't feel bad getting them, um, books. So, yeah. How do you get your extended family on board with, um, not buying presents for the sake of, of material items, but how do you get them more on board with like plastic free oh, things or zero waste or experiences, that sort of thing? Yeah, it is. I, let me just tell you that we haven't. <laughs> okay. We, what have we, you tried? Have tr we have tried very hard. I, um, you know, before the holidays, I sent out an email to the family just reminding them that this is what we're working towards and that we're really trying to avoid waste and we're trying to avoid plastic because plastic things eventually become trash. Um, and just encouraging them, you know, you don't need to give them a gift. You could just write them a card and, um, you know, or a letter or send them a photo of you. Um, so I definitely uh, encourage that. Um, and then, you know, they, they spend some a lot of time with their grandparents who, who live here in town, which is awesome. And... Um, they were going out with their grandparents for hot cocoa regularly. And so I encouraged them. I said, hey, kiddos, do you want to take a mug with you? So, <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to help arm them with some of the tools so that they're prepared um, to avoid bringing home some trash. There was a, a period of time where they were bringing home a cup of hot cocoa in a, you know, disposable coffee cup every week for 
a few weeks and I was like, what is going on? Can you just take one of these mugs? So, you know, I can't expect that everyone else in their life is going to be on board with zero waste, but I do try to send gentle reminders and, and encouragement and give folks other ideas for how to, um, you know, how to feel close to them and engage with them and, or, or feel generous towards them without giving them a bunch of stuff that, you know, often ends up as trash. That's, I mean, so many kids, toys and products are eventually just trash because something about them is going to break. They're not designed to last forever. And once something, you know, one, once one part of it breaks or one part of it is lost, you know, these aren't, these aren't products that are designed to be repaired and, you know, passed down from kid to kid. So I really try to encourage them to say no to, to toys that I know eventually are just going to fall apart and, you know, end up in the landfill, but it's hard. It's really hard. And I get that, you know, they have a lot of family who lives outside the area and they want to feel connected to them and like they're, they're in their life. And so they want to send them something. Um, but yeah, so that's something that I'm, I'm constantly working on. How do you navigate back to school shopping with all of the required school supplies that are, you know, most of the time mandatory from the school district? Yeah. Um, well, they go to a Montessori school, so it's a little bit different, but it is tricky. Their ages, you know, they're eight and 11. That can be a hard age to find used clothes. Um, so we have shopped from an online used clothing place, but then that's really hard. They, they can't try things on. And so at their age, they're off. They, things don't always fit when we shop online. So we have had to shop from whatever's available um, in the area from new stores too on, on occasion because shopping online, is, it just can be super frustrating to not get the right size. And then the thrift store doesn't have everything they need. So, um, but I do try to limit how much we buy new for them for sure. What was um, your and your husband's decision-making process when choosing a Montessori school over public school or homeschooling? Um, well, neither of us ever considered homeschooling. Um, we both have always had pretty full um, careers, and so that didn't really feel like an option for either of us. Um, although I'm sure some families who do, I'm sure there are families who figure out how to do that with their careers, but both of us didn't feel like that was an option. And then, um, we chose the Montessori school over other schools because we really want our kids to love to learn and to love to go to school. And we, we visited a lot of schools and we just saw that energy at that school, at their school where they are now. We saw that the kids who were there were excited to be there. They were motivated. They were working on their own projects. They were working with a lot of attention and interest. Um, and so it just felt like a place where um, we could feel like our kids were really going to be excited about school and excited about learning. Um, yeah, and that, that's the main thing. We, we just wanted them to to feel like learning is a good thing and learning is fun. And that's where we saw it the most was at the Montessori school in our community. So 
and they've been super happy there. They're, I don't know if you know much about um, Montessori, but it's all self-directed. So the, the kids pursue their own interests. So for example, my daughter did this whole report on climate change. And she also created a, um, a newsletter for her classroom called The Green Times. It's all about the environment. And this is just her own interest drove her to, to do that and, and create that in her classroom. Um, and, and they get all the, you know, they get all the basic skills down very quickly because they're working at their own pace with really wonderful materials. The way they teach math at Montessori is amazing. They have all these hands-on materials to make, to really bring math to life. Um, so they get all those basic um, skills that they need and they also have are able to pursue these other interests um, and get excited about other topics so yeah so that's sort of how we chose it it's it's hard though I mean I know a lot of communities I'm sure you'd see that awesome learning environment in other other types of schools that aren't Montessori so I think just where we happen to be that that's what we saw um, in our when we were visiting other schools we we just there was a, a noticeable um, difference in what we saw was happening with the students. And also like the climate, you know, we didn't want our kids to be in a school that was too, you know, in Santa Cruz, there's a little bit of a surf culture, which can be a little bit overly masculine. And um, I, I don't know what, like conforming, where everyone has to wear the right brand of clothes. Um, and so we also saw that at the Montessori that kids, it really felt like kids were not conforming to some cookie cutter um, type of child or, you know, preteen. So that was another big bonus was that we felt like kids could be kids and could be their own person at that school. So I think that's also something to think about when parents are looking at schools is what's the climate and does it, do the kids seem happy? Do they seem like they're individuals or do they seem like everyone is feeling pressured to dress in the same way or that sort of thing? I believe you recently transitioned from um, an outside career to running your own business full time from home, correct? Yes. So I how did. do you how do you balance that? How do you balance uh, zero waste lifestyle and you know the fact that with that comes uh, pressure almost of having to DIY so many different things um, while still maintaining a good work-life balance and being able to grow your business working from home. How do you keep those two aspect, aspects separate, even though I know you have a zero-waste business, so they are still very much joined together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, starting, as you know, having your own business and starting your own business, it's so much work. Um, so I definitely have to put limits and prioritize, you know, family life and, and home life. So that, that is a challenge. I feel like I'm always still figuring it out how to, you know, stop working because I am working from home. But at a certain point, I just stop working and then turn to the family, turn to the kitchen, turn to dinner, um, so that's something that, that can be a struggle, but I do try to stop um, every day by five or five thirty, and then um, 
be with the family until bedtime after the kids go to bed, then I'm often um, back to work for a bit more still. Um, and yeah, and then in terms of, you know, what what I can do in terms of DIY for the home, I would say we do a fair amount. And then whenever there's a shortcut that's not a DIY, I am all for that. I mean, I I don't have endless funds to, to buy everything in the world. But for example, if I don't have time to buy to, to make my own deodorant, there's a nice zero waste deodorant option in my community that I can buy. So um, I'm not afraid when things get really busy to find the zero waste shortcut that, you know, it, it might involve buying something versus making it myself. Um, I do try to find some time on the weekends to do some meal prep or at least prepping ingredients for the week ahead. I try Sunday to, to carve out like an hour where I'm, you know, sort of prepping vegetables and making some beans and some salads. It doesn't happen every week, but that, that's something that, that helps. Um, and then we do go out, you know, we do go out to eat uh, maybe once a week. Um, and we'll go places that, you know, don't use a bunch of disposal, they don't use it, that don't use disposable um, things. And, or, and if we want to do takeout, we'll bring our own containers and get takeout. Um, but yeah, it is hard to it is, it is hard to juggle everything, to be working full-time, trying to do zero waste as a family, um, and spend time with the family. It can be a challenge, so I, I also try to go easy on us, and, you know, some nights we, we have a super simple dinner, and that's okay. Um, so, yeah, but it's, it's definitely... It's definitely a struggle because if I if I wanted to create everything DIY, I could spend a lot of time doing that. <laughs> Do you think that overall with the, the zero waste lifestyle that you and your family attempt your best at every day, do you think that you are saving money in the long run or do you think that it costs you a little bit more than if you were living a, a traditional American lifestyle? Um a good question I gotta I gotta think that we save money because we just you know we don't buy a lot of processed packaged foods we, you know we're buying almost everything from the bulk bins or fresh um, fruits and veggies so I feel like we must be saving money I don't I know exactly what we used to spend on our groceries but I feel like we must be saving some money there are some zero waste products that are probably more expensive um, you know, we buy like compostable floss, we buy bamboo toothbrushes instead of taking home the plastic ones for free from the dentist. So there are definitely some things that I'm sure we are spending a little bit more on, but I, I feel like in the end, we're not buying, um, all those, those little specialty treats and package things. So I'm sure we're saving money as well. So I don't know, maybe it, maybe it comes out we're right at where we were before because we're spending a little bit more on some things and then less on food. Are you a member of any zero waste parenting groups in your area? If there are any, or do you have other like zero waste mom friends? Yeah, we don't have a zero waste parenting group that I know of in Santa Cruz. Um, that would be really cool if we did. But I do have... Um, some other zero waste mom friends 
and so that helps. Um, and and actually, our kids get along, and our kids, you know, they our kids are friends. So that helps that they're on the same um, page about certain things. Um, but most of most of our friends are not zero waste. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely helps to have a couple friends who are on this journey also. What? And it doesn't have to be necessarily one piece of advice if you can think of multiple things, but like, what is, what is one big tip that you have for other parents who are, you know, they either, they already have kids already parents and they're wanting to now start on a zero waste journey or they're already on a zero waste journey, but are going to soon be having children and, and want to know how to navigate that. What advice do you have? Um, actually have, um, a few, a few pieces of advice. I if I can give like my top four, go for it. Um, so one is to remember that the trash that the kids make is not their fault, that they're part of this linear economy that's designed to make trash. So don't get upset with your kids when it happens, because it's going to happen. Um, the second is if you can do a little bit of planning and prepping um, when you're out in the world with your kids, that can go a long way to avoiding trash. Um, the third is to inspire your kids. So um, think about, teach them about why you're doing what you're doing, why you're trying to cut your waste, you know, what's happening with our landfills and our rivers and our streams and our oceans. So inspire them to want to, to work with you. Um, and then the last is just to always keep a positive attitude about what you're doing. You know, we don't judge other families who aren't like us. Every family's different. And so we try to just you know, move through our life with a positive attitude and, and sharing what we're doing without making other people feel bad about what they're doing or any trash that they're creating. So just keeping it positive. Awesome. Well, Liz, thank you for sharing your experience today. Yeah, thank you so much, Callie. It was great talking with you. If you find value in the Hippie Haven podcast, please share it with someone you know who'd be interested. You can leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using, and also consider buying me a virtual cup of coffee to keep me going. Each podcast episode takes around six hours to create, and episodes cost about $50 each out of my own pocket. These costs include file hosting, editing, transcription for people who need or prefer visual content, and my own time of researching, drafting, recording, proofing, and promoting. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Callie, that's C-A-L-L-E-E, to support the work I'm doing with a $4 cup of coffee. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.